Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I'm happy to report the podcast that even keeps President Macron company during a second lockdown, allegedly. My name is Chris, I am your host, and today I'm joined by the usual crew. Good afternoon, Jeremy. Good afternoon, Phil. Hello. Hi. Oh, I was worried you'd run away. yourself off mute to say hello. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good start. Anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, it isn't that bad, Jess. Mets won at the weekend. Goodness me. Um, right. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, we are going to uh, launch straight into the pod this week. Uh, just a little, um, uh, what's the word? Um, word of warning. That's what I'm going to give it. A word of warning. All of you French football fans out there, if you have a Twitter account, and you like putting clips up of goals, don't do it, okay? Just don't do it. Trust me, from experience, the French League are very hot on copyright. I shall say no more. Moving on, um, let's is talk it, about... Is yeah. it French League more than... Oh, yes. Ligue du football are the ones who have uh, copyright striked me three times. So, um, yeah, it's not even BT Sport. I can't even blame Steve McManaman for this one, Jess. I, I don't know. What I'm going to do here, but hey ho, the appeal's gone in. We can but hope. But um, nevertheless, I was still able. I'm, not, I'm still able to watch TV, so um, that's that's always a good thing. Um, and I was able to watch the, uh, the the French league games that we had in Liga at the weekend. So we will cover those in a fairly brief degree because we've got quite a lot of European action to get into as well. But we'll start with the results from the last round of games we saw a rather surprising result on friday evening on the 27th of october ren one Angers two um, very surprised result i thought ren were in front through adrian unu after some uh, pretty bad goalkeeping has to be said before sofian buffel remember him he's back in france he got the equalizer and uh, my new man crush angelo fulgini got the winner for Angers. a really good result that for moulin who's been under a little bit of pressure if we've had to say recently and a bit of a shock for Julian Stefan's round. I'm sure Jazz was really upset at that result. Um, we also saw the Saturday games. There was two of them. Uh, Lorient nil, Marseille won. Technically, it was Lorient nil, the wind won. Um, but nevertheless, uh, if, you, if anyone saw that game, it was extremely windy. And uh, the, that particular um, uh, issue, shall we say, kind of contributed towards the winning goal, which was headed home at the back post after Paul Nardi misjudged the flight of a cross and uh, Leo Ballardi headed home his first Marseille goal for the winner. Largely you're putting it all on the wind, you're not putting any of it on Nardi. Absolutely not. No, 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 it has to be said. It was it was poor goalkeeping, I can't, I can't deny. Um, in those sort of conditions, you've got to judge those better. So he's been great, Nardi, but um, yeah, poor, poor goalkeeping. And to be fair to Ballardi, good finish because to keep his eye on it as he's falling backwards behind almost the goal into the crowd was really good so um, fair play to him but no more credit here thank you Uh, PSG uh, got back to uh, somewhat of a kind of gear I guess ish maybe more on that later but they beat Dijon 4-0 I think I've read somewhere that Dijon have conceded four. Is it the last four or five visits to PDP? It's something along those lines. Um, Sometimes multiples of that. Yeah, I don't think anyone really expected this one to be anything much. But one thing I would say about this game, a double from Moise Ken, more on him later on, and a double from Kylian Mbappe as a late sub. Um, I would say this, though, Dijon had a real go. And um, we discussed a few weeks ago about Angers' approach and how they just came to defend and 
and lost heavily. Well, you know, Dijon lost 4-0, but two of those goals were in the last 10 minutes and they were very much in this game. Now, how much of that was down to PSG's focus maybe not being... done that before as well. Yeah. And in a sense, maybe they are the object lesson of if you do try to play against PSG, you will lose 4-0. But yeah. at least they are... They are sticking to their guns and having a go, which at least means that you don't trudge off the pitch thinking, you know, what could what have could been. Have been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they had, they, the thing, thing is as well, they had chances. It wasn't like they just had a go and it was like, oh, they were brave and they tried. But they had some really good chances. Uh, there was a couple of, of pretty big misses. Uh, Mambel, uh, they certainly missed one um, that I can recall. And I think Konate also missed one. So I mean, it, was, it wasn't like it was a, a sort of a, a thrashing, shall we say. So fair play to Dijon. Um, they certainly need to be picking up points sooner rather than later, but this was not the night for them. On Sunday, we uh, we saw we knew that Lance Nantes was postponed due to COVID situation. Again, more on that a little bit later on. So that one didn't go ahead. Bordeaux Nîmes, however, did, and it was uh, another two goals for Bordeaux. Whatever next, Jimmy Brion with his hundredth goal in Liga, and that's not a bad little uh, statistic. Late goals, it has to be said. His penalty in the 80th minute before Rami Udar two minutes later, finishing off the Crocs. So a good win for yeah. Bordeaux. Were slowly I think a, another example of Nîmes. Innocent, they they can play well, they can hold out, but when they lose their heads, they lose their heads. I think Rainer got booked um, about the penalty for yelling at the referee, and then things went horribly wrong in two minutes, and they were done. So yeah. their um, temperament maybe is more of a problem uh, than necessary technical ability. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, Neem sort of one of those teams that, for me, like every time I've watched the season, you never quite know what's going to turn up. One minute they turn up and you go, oh, these are quite good. And then they turn up and you go, oh, yikes, that's that's not so good. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to say, overall, Bordeaux probably deserve the points. And they're, they're slowly but surely improving, if not being spectacular, shall we say. I don't think that's what I've used in Bordeaux for a, a little while now. Um we also saw a, a really, really good win this for Strasbourg away at Brest. I, I would not have seen this one coming, I have to be honest. Um, it was a 3 0 win for Strasbourg. Uh, Dial um, signing from Mets, of course, we'll, we'll just lace that one over so Jess doesn't get upset. Kenny Lala from the penalty spot and Ludovic Ajork. Got the uh, got the goal for uh, got the goal. Sorry for Strasbourg, three nil victory. Really needed, and away from home as well. So comprehensive, uh, really good win that for them. Um, we also saw uh, Mets win. Jess, what were you worried about here? Two nil win over St Etienne, Ferry Belier, and uh, an own goal from Sissoko. From what I saw, pretty pretty much, um, I thought they were worth the win. Really, St Etienne probably played them at a good time but yeah good performance I thought from Mets personally did you um did you take this one in I th- yeah I think I mean Mets are I think have got a really good unit now and with Antonetti back I'm sort of quite positive about it the only concern I think is going to be scoring goals um you know, it was a great free kick from Belaya and then a, a comedy own goal but you know, for the second straight match, they probably should have scored more than they did. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was, I mean, Saint-Etienne were absolutely decimated by injuries and, and it was pretty much all very inexperienced kids playing. So it was a good time to play them. Um, so not going to read too much into it yet, but it is nice to see Mets in the top half of the table for once. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and at this stage of the season, you know, the more wins you can get at this point before Christmas, the less pressure there is in the running, so to speak. I know that's a long way ahead, but it's it's still something to take note of. And uh, speaking of runs, four straight defeats for St Etienne now. Things not looking rosy for Claude Puel. Um, By the way, Mess are probably going to sign Aaron Leia as Seca. Oh, right, OK. Was that was that, memory, is that Is that Batshuayi's half-brother? Yeah. Remember. Anyway, um, as their sort of medical joker with with a capital joker, um, seems a very strange move, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I suppose the, the domestic window is still being what it is. Teams are still frantically trying to to secure free agents or uh, or whatnot as, as best they can, or loan deals, short term deals, whatever it may be. So reinforcements are are, are afoot. Um, speaking of reinforcements, um, Phil, if Montpellier get any more players sent off this season, you might need some reinforcements. Hilton and Natalik seeing red in a four 0 <laughs> defeat at Ra- home to Rams. So it was Natalik who got sent off. Yes. So. Yeah. Talking of so, um, bad temperaments around the Nîmes area, I would say a lot more. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been like four games in a row. They've had, any, they've all been first half red cards as well. So it's not even like, oh, you just have to hold on for twenty minutes. This was on the seventh minute. Yeah. And yeah, this led to a pretty hilarious half an hour if you're a Rouse fan, uh, because Dia scored from the penalty spot. Then six minutes later, got a second one. Then 10 minutes after that, had a goal disallowed, hallelujah. Um, but on 30, 31 minutes, Mbuku made it 3-0. And then in the second half, uh, Dia got another penalty yeah. <laughs> for his hat-trick. And it was horrendous, frankly. I mean, Rouse were bottom um, when, when, they played, when they played this game and Montpellier was seventh. And... I don't think we had that many people actually missing, apart from obviously the guy that got sent off after seven minutes. So, yeah, uh, massively frustrating. So I think that's one that we just have to, you know, put in a box and never talk about again. But rounds were good. He uh, took his chances, and uh, you know, they're also going to be desperately struggling to get out of that bottom bit of the table and. Uh, winning away 4-0 is a pretty good way to, to go about doing that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, I think uh, it's a much-needed win that for, for Rams, putting sort of Montpellier's failings aside. Um, a good win for Rams. It's their first win of the season, believe it or not. Um, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a positive for them, 4-0. You take what you take and away you go. Um, speaking of taking what you take, well, it's a point apiece between Nice and Lille. Uh, these two clubs were off the back of Europa League games, which we are just going to quickly cover before we actually cover the league game. Um, we saw a really, uh, really good performance from Lille in Prague. I got a bit of stick, actually, um, back in the days when I was allowed to use Twitter. <laughs> Remember those. I uh, got a bit of stick on, on Twitter for, for saying that Lille thoroughly deserved this um, from... I'm guessing by the username the chat was probably from Czech Republic and maybe a Sparta fan, but I thought, don't get it wrong, the sending off had a lot to do with this game. Um, Prague were, were down to 10 men. Uh, Doc, uh, Krushiel was sent off, I think it's Krushiel? Krushiel? Yeah, was sent yeah. off after 23 minutes. And at the time it was it was nil-nil. 
but a Yasichi hat trick and Jonathan Ikone also netting. Dokal had briefly equalised for Prague, but I thought Lille were, were more than meriting of this game. I thought Gautier set them up well and uh, it changed the side a little bit. I just thought they were the superior side. I, I was a little bit perplexed why people thought otherwise, but did anyone else have a, have a view on that? Or Yeah, I thought, I mean, Yasichi's. Um... Uh, performance was obviously excellent. That was a lovely strike for the first goal. Wasn't it, Jess? Um, and the Iconi goal came from, a, was it Suomari who put the long ball forward? So that was yeah. that was a really nice one as well. And the final goal was a little bit comic. I think the defender tried to clear the ball out, but did it a bit tentatively. And behind him, the goalkeeper was kind of out of frame. So it was just pounced on. Um, but that, I think it was a comfortable and comprehensive um, win for Lille. And, you know, that they're in a, a group. They're playing Celtic tonight. Um, mm. AC Milan are obviously the big dogs in that group. So to get a comprehensive win away in Prague, very good start to the campaign. Yeah, and um, based upon... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll come on to the unlike. Um, based upon what I saw of Celtic uh, against Aberdeen and against Rangers, Lille very much have an opportunity to win both those games. And the big thing with Celtic, of course, is that home crowd advantage, which obviously doesn't exist at the moment. I would, I would not personally, had a good week. They no. Um, I, I would. I, I personally think Lille can win home and away against Celtic at the moment, depending on circumstances and whatnot. But I think they've got a real chance to get out of this group oh, with with Milan personally. That's the early game tonight, isn't it? Five to six. Yes, which I'm very pleased about because it means I get to watch my team as well later on. So that's a bonus. But yeah, I shall be tuning in for that one. Um, not such a good night, though, for Nice, Jez. Um, when I say not such a good night, I'm probably underplaying this a little bit. 6-2, they lost in Leverkusen. Um, it would be fair to say Leverkusen are an established and quality Bundesliga outfit. They've got some very good players, Musa Diaby, including being one of those. But... Um, yeah, a 6-2 win, um, Nice scoring. They got it back to 2-1 at one point and the Claude Maurice second goal was largely sort of just a consolation. Vieira under pressure at this stage? I mean, that's not a defeat. That's that's a proper belting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be under pressure because of what does or doesn't happen in the Europa League, rightly or wrongly. I mean, it would be nice if there was well, there was a little more um, sort of questioning of... of French performances in, in the Europa League, which genuine, generally seems to be more disappointing than not. But I do think it's indicative that he's not, he's still not pulling up any trees as a coach. And I know there's some, some big Vieira defenders who, who um, will still kind of say that he's doing an amazing job in difficult circumstances. But as far as I'm concerned, it's very much not difficult circumstances. He's had everything laid on a plate for him. And the victories that he gets, on one hand, you can say, well, he keeps getting a lot of victories in the league, but they're all just being scraped. And there doesn't seem too much quality play. You know, they're certainly not the only team in Ligue 1 that we can say that about. We'll get to that later with teams that are supposedly bigger than them. But you just, you'd like to see more identity, more attacking football, and more consistency and more sort of, not domination, but more kind of statement football saying, you know, we spent a fortune, we're, um, we're 
even though it's early on, we're in a project or whatever, and, and we're going places. And there isn't anything really to suggest that when you when you watch them play. And as big a name as he is, I do think that he's, he needs to be getting more out of his team um, if if people are really going to start looking at him as, as doing a quality job there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. I did, did think that they were just uh, they were swept aside, really. The kind of odd thing is, it's maybe more of a psychological blow than a danger to their chances, because obviously Bayer Leverkusen are the big team in that group. Mm. So you would expect when you play there that you're, you know, you'd be lucky to get a point. It was the nature of the defeat rather than the three points that were yeah. the, the problem. But I mean, I just have the word abject written here, circled in pink. Um, <laughs> So, in a sense, with the other two teams being Hapoel and Slavia Prague, then they might have expected to lose this. But So, it is still very possible for them to come back. But whether they have the will to, as Jess said, there's, you know, Europa League is very much down the list of things to be concerned about. So, it was that second half when it was Diaby, Bellarabi, Bellarabi, and then... The last one was Wurz, you know. It goes from bad to Wurz. I was very happy with that. Banging my head on the desk about the, um, the the nature of the display from the French team. So yeah. you know, there was a kind of an atal nutmeg going on in there. Claude Maurice um, goal, which was nice. But yeah, that was that was odd. Not a lot else. Yeah, they face um, Hapoel Beersheva this evening. Um, that's an eight o'clock kickoff. And for memory, Hapoel were beaten in the first game. Frantically no, they, they Oh no, nil nil. They beat Slavia Prague three one. Oh, sorry. Yes, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at their bloody uh, domestic result here. Nil nil. Yes, a three one win over Slavia Slavia Prague. Okay, so yeah, um, fair to say that the the pressure is on Vieira's men. Um, in terms of the league meeting between the two, it ended in a one one draw. Uh, Barak Yilmaz, who else? Getting the leveller to Kasper Dolberg's goal. It's probably a much needed goal actually for Dolberg, whose season hasn't quite got going yet. So a one one draw. Was- Furious. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, he really, really something. was. I'm not entirely sure what, but I, he, I he was yelling, waving his arms around, yelling about psychology. Yeah, it went on in the press oh, afterwards as well, wasn't it? About uh, he was having a quite a quite a rant. I, I wonder if it's actually a good thing for Lille because obviously he expects big things this season. I wonder if it's not actually a bad thing that he's uh, as animated as he is. Um, but yeah, he, he was not happy. <laughs> he wasn't happy. I think I think it's fair to say, based upon what I saw of this game, it was a, a fairly sort of. Uh, wouldn't I'm not saying it's two tired sides, but it was sort of two sides that in the end went. Okay, we played on Thursday, you know, a draw's yeah. not the end of the world kind of thing. But um, I mean, this, uh, the thing was, if they'd won, uh, they would have stayed top. Yeah. So maybe that was part of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Waving and swearing. And they need to it's keep the, up. It's the first time they've fallen behind this season and they equalised within eight minutes. And, and, you know, everything I just said about Nice, all of that being said, it's not an easy place to go. And the one thing that they are good at is, is the defensive side. So um, to, to sort of come back from a deficit and get a point from there, I think is, is positive overall. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. And at the, at the end of the day, away from home, like you say, against a team that is notoriously tough to beat uh, at their, their home ground, I think that is definitely a good performance. Um, the, the final game of the weekend 
saw two clubs who wish they were in Europe this season, but sadly are not. And that was well, Leon. Sadly. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, but Leon and Monaco. Um, I thought it'd be goals. I'm not going to lie. That there generally is between these two. I wasn't quite sure. I was kind of scratching my head a bit at half time as Leon exited the field four nil up. Carto uh, Gotombe with two. Akambe, sorry, with two. Hosted uh, Moaf from the penalty spot after Memphis Depay opened the scoring. Monaco came out in the second half and were a lot better with Sam Benyeda converting an early penalty, but. Despite BT's best attempts to make it sound like the game was back on, it never really was. Sort of, I think Monaco were were much better second half, but really didn't do uh, too much in terms of uh, of getting back into the game. That said, Lopez was was very decent for for Leon. Melvin Bard also saw red in this game. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't know what to make of this game. Really, we've been kind of slagging off Leon for the longest time. I don't know whether it was just because Monaco were really bad. I, th- I thought. Yeah, I saw a couple of tweets saying, okay, but were Leon actually any good? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is, I, I, is, is I this something Monaco, to take a lot of positives from, or was it just a Monaco slight Burns. strange? Yeah. I, th- I thought the word for me, um, I, don't know, I don't know if you saw this game as well, Jess, but I thought the word for me was Monaco's defending was naive. I thought they were really naive in this game. They, the, the, the line was so high, possession was poor, that they didn't, they didn't have an out ball. They were trying passes that just weren't there. Um, Badia Shule looked like a player to me who, you know, he's got so many upsides, but was turned inside out time and time again. Um, just just struck me as a bit of an odd performance. Did you did you see this game as well, Jez? What was your sort of thought? Yeah, I mean, the first half was bizarre. To have 26% possession and come out of it 4-0 up yeah. is pretty special. But yeah. I think that... Um, you know, Kovac admitted it and, and it was kind of the, the general gist of all the reporting was, um, you know, you saw what Lyon did to teams like Man City in in the final eight of the Champions League last year and you've seen what they failed to be able to do so far this season. Why would you play exactly into their hands with such a, a high line to um, for them to sort of soak up the pressure and then run in behind you? So I think maybe it was... Yeah, tactical and defensive naivety from Monaco, um, and you know, complete credit to Lyon for being clinical and taking advantage of it. But um, sort of long, you know, I'm not sure it answers many of Lyon's questions because longer term, if teams are sensible enough not to play to their strengths, they're still seemingly struggling to to show too much identity and be able to break teams down when they're sitting and and you know, expecting Lyon to make all the play. But like I said last week, and, you know, he carried on this week, as long as, you know, if he's such a talented player when he wants to be, that if Depay is going to decide to be on it week in, week out, then that's going to make a huge difference to Lyon. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I guess in theory, with being putting my cynical hat on here, but he's kind of playing for a move in January potentially as well. So you'd think he would be... Putting and pulling out all the stops, although with what's gone on at Barcelona this week, who knows who they're going to sign now? <laughs> it's, it's all a bit up in the air at that end. But yeah, he he did look um, he looked fitter to me. looks looked a lot sharper, Depay and and Leon looked better for it. But um, as for Monaco, yeah, just I, I can't sort of I feel like we're going to get this from Monaco. Their form in the last five games: lost, draw, lost, one loss. It's kind of it's up and down. I get the feeling they're just going to be a a team. There's so many new players, so many young players. It's going to be a 
a bit of a season of, of up and downness, shall we say? I think it'll be fun. I think at least Kovac, maybe he's taking the sort of Bundesliga ethos. And there was actually a very good editorial about it in, in Lecky the day after the match saying, you know, Kovac has kind of not read the script about defensive league and coaches. And, and, you know, as a neutral, that's a really good thing. And, you know, <laughs> Monaco was so likeable under Jardim's first um, tenure as coach and then became so dislikable, I think, personally, on and off the pitch. And at least he's making them a bit more um, of a, yeah, of a likeable team again. And it's nice to see younger players being given the chance. And obviously with that comes some some off days and sometimes when they're off days, they're really big off days. Mm-hmm. Um in attack, I mean, it still seems to be very much down to Ben Yedder. I do like Jovetic, but you know, it has so many injury problems. And Gelson Martins, I just think, you know, he he probably doesn't pass any kind of brick rule without brick wall without having a temptation to run into it. I just I don't rate him whatsoever. But, very hot and cold as well. Goes that he sort of got a bit of a Adama Traore about him, lots of pace and not a lot of brain sometimes. And other times you look at him and go, oh, there's a player in there. And yeah, you just can't work out what I would. Can. I would completely agree with you about Traore, but for some reason it seems to be Premier League law that you have to completely worship him and think he's an amazing talent. I don't think he is at all. I think he's just a bruiser who runs with his head down. But Don't, don't get me started, Jess. Don't yeah. get me started. So, somebody brought up a really good point. This is a very brief sidebar, but somebody brought up a really good point, which I think we can probably discuss when we're on international break, if we're struggling for content, is that somebody said, uh, why is it that players who move from... The um, when they move to other leagues from the Premier League, they're deemed as you know they they've had it, they're past it. But yet players like, for example, James Rodriguez, who's ultimately failed in both La Liga and Bundesliga, are suddenly a marquee talent and amazing in the Premier League. Isn't it funny how the two kind of cross over? Funny that, isn't it? Marketing. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe that's one's for a rainy day. But uh, but yeah, overall, I think um, like you said, Kovac has, has done a fairly good job and. Um, it's just an attack, I think, with Monaco. And I can't help but feel that stadium just, I don't know. I, I know it's empty even when there isn't fans, quote-unquote, but it's just something about it. I, I don't know. don't like it. Not that this affected them in an away game, of course, but it's just a little rant I have. I, just, I mean, it's weird because everything about them sort of says plastic team, but they're yeah. very much not. And they've got a you know very rich history Yeah, in France. Yeah. The whole yeah. geography and fiscal stuff that causes most of the problems, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, Arsene Wenger touched on that in his in his autobiography when you know when he was sort of coming through the ranks of Monaco, and he said like it is a massive club with a massive tradition, which people often gloss over. So, yeah, definitely that. It's a massive club that currently sit twelfth in Liga, which uh, has a uh, familiar look about the top place. Five straight wins sees PSG back on top, only on goal difference. It should be mentioned ahead of Lille, who hit second now. Uh, Rennes are still in third despite their defeat at the weekend. Marseille, Nice and Lyon make up the top six with Lens, Angers, Bordeaux and Metz making up the top ten. Yes, that's tenth, just <laughs> unbeaten in five. Um, Montpellier just underneath in eleventh, as he's mentioned, Monaco twelfth. And then down the table, St Etienne probably in the worst form of anybody. Four straight defeats, thirteenth. Brest, Nantes, Nîmes, Lorient. Ah, 
just about above the relegation zone in 17th with Strasbourg, their big win at the weekend, uh, getting them up the table, but they're in the 18th uh, position, the playoff position, with Raps and Dijon making up the bottom two. It's all very congested, though. One win can see a team... Uh, literally go from sort of 14th up to uh, to 7th so um or just uh, sorry up to 9th sorry so it's pretty close in terms of where we are the um weekend's games we will preview at the end of the pod we're going to go into europe now and we'll start with marseille uh who oh. saw this all filled there we go that you you've you put yourself up for this one um Manchester City demolished Marseille. Uh, I think it's fair to say I tuned in. I put myself through it again. I regretted it within about five minutes. Uh, Marseille yeah. just had no idea. Did I it? was, I was kind of cross about this game, and I'm not a Marseille fan. I've got no particular, you know, um, wish to see them either way. But I was cross on a kind of philosophical level. It was they set up so negatively like five yeah. at the back. But also this was a new system, really. So they weren't particularly comfortable in it. So that was kind of doubling the effect of this. And I know OM have, you know, a bit of history in doing this sometimes. You remember when they went away, uh, was it Garcia's first game when they went away to the Parc de France and basically just held on for nil-nil and didn't have a shot. Yeah, they had two shots in this game, according to um, the Optostats. Uh, they had a, you know, their XG was basically in minus numbers. And fine, if you're going to set up to defend against a visiting Man City, great. But Man City have not been in their most sparkiest form recently. You know they can be got at. And you're in Marseille. You know, it's all very well for, you know, someone like Lance to um, kind of try to shut up shop against a, a big visitor. But, you know, it just felt like they'd thrown in the towel almost from the beginning. Now, if they'd managed to keep a clean sheet, fine. But, you know, they went one down within within 20 minutes. They did then kind of sort themselves out a bit and at least get the defensive side of things running but that meant there still was basically no attack happening and you know City are going to just potter around passing dinky dinky and then boom and they did in um, five minutes in the second half OM just crumbled under the effort with a great team move that ended in Gundogan getting the second and then Sterling getting the third so I was I was annoyed by this game because I felt they could have approached it in a much more positive mindset. And yeah, they got taken apart and kind of deserved to be, yeah. was my view. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Jez, what was your, what was your thoughts? Um, also, they two goalkeepers on the bench and I couldn't work out if that was padding or just they wanted, you know, the youngster to see some proper football at close range. I don't know. I'd have to guess at padding, but um, yeah, I must admit I didn't, I didn't notice that one. But uh, yeah, well, what, I, what I did notice was a, a golfing class, as, as Phil said, just, um, just, and just out class. confirm the name of the youngster. I am I'm not lo- even going to try, Jez. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Apologise to that young gentleman, and we will mention him in the article. But I'll, g- I'll, g- I'll give it a go, if you like. Um, 
No, I'm not. No, okay. Jess, uh, thoughts on Munsey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you could almost do the Marseille and the Ren matches together, I guess. Um, because, yeah, two shots on goal and I think it's an XG of 0.12 uh, was a record bad until the next day when Ren matched both of those stats. Um, and actually, no, sorry, the 0.12 was, I think, both of them combined. Um, I... I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm sort of torn um, between agreeing with Phil and not because the fact is, there's. It's not a farmers' league, but in terms of resources, there's such a massive golfing class, and uh, not class in sort of um, resources. Yeah, resources, money, riches between. Um, Liga and Premier League and obviously particularly um, Man City and arguably particularly Marseille at the moment who really don't have anything they don't have anything to spend and again they're, they're sort of suffering from massively overachieving last year so um, Villas Boas got, got quite a lot of stick for, for his um, his comments after the match where he sort of said look if you give me loads of money then um, you can or give Marseille loads of money and you can bring in Guardiola and play pretty football like that but as long as we've got no money then you're stuck with me and my tactics which I, I kind of again I'm sort of torn about because you know, a bit like what we were saying about Angers the other day and Dijon this time against against PSG and the same as what we were just saying about Kovac if you're and, you know, maybe you can extend it to the whole Deschamps for France debate as well. Um, are, are you there to entertain people or are you there to do the job that you're paid for and try to get a result? If you're expecting to lose anyway, um, is it worth just going for it and at least losing in style, possibly 5-6-0, rather than hoping to sort of scrape a 1-0 defeat? I don't know. I mean... As, as, as Phil sort of alluded to, I suppose you can only, with hindsight, say whether it was the right tactic or not. And, you know, if Marseille had come out of it with, some, with a nil-nil draw, um, knowing the French media, they'd have still had a massive go at Villas-Boas, but at least he could have turned around and said, well, it worked and I got a point, an unexpected point. Um, the problem is that if you're going to set out your stool to play like that, what you can't do is have one of your best players give the ball straight to um, De Bruyne within the first 20 minutes um, and then you're, then you're really fighting a losing battle. Mm. So I don't, I, yeah, I, it's frustrating because you want to see the team at least go for it. And like I said, if, you know, if they're, if they're going to go down, at least go down in flames kind of thing. But I just, the fact is, and I, I'm not, saying it as a criticism of Marseille. This is just not a very good Marseille team. This, they shouldn't, by rights, be in the Champions League. It's not a Champions League quality team, as, as sort of league ad, Champions League qualifiers go. They just yeah. had a, a brilliant season last year, with a lot of the time not playing great football, but Villas-Boas eking the best out of them. So um, I understand why he went with that tactic. And after a 3-0 home defeat, remember home only in inverted commas because, you know, 
normally a packed velodrome with a European atmosphere would, would make things very different and, you know, maybe a little bit diff harder for City facing that kind of hostile crowd. Um, they didn't have that. And so, you know, Marseille's 12th man has kind of taken away in a way. Um, it's, for, I think for all these coaches, it's sort of the question of whether to, to stick or twist and kind of as a neutral, I wish that Marseille would at least say, you know, let's go for it. Let's go down with a little bit of pride. But I don't think, you know, I don't think it makes any difference. I know it's nothing to do with that really, but when you look at the BT coverage, all they care about is being able to, um, you know, look down on the other leagues and, and Gary Lineker to make really shitty puns about, um, you know, how great Man City are, even though obviously there's barely anything English about that team on the bench or on the pitch off the pitch whatever um yeah i'm going around in circles but essentially it's frustrating it wasn't great to watch it's not very seemly but i completely understand why villas boas did it yeah yeah and and um just on you touched on another game which we are gonna we're not going to go into as much detail on purely because it was so one-sided uh, that was Sevilla's 1-0 win over Ren Luke Dion with the winning goal um there's a touch of sort of Lille about Ren in terms of the Champions League this year but maybe not quite as good there I say it is is this just a is this just a classic case of too much too soon for Ren in terms of you know it's great that they've they've, they've qualified for the Champions League but yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be rude, but do you know what I mean? Well, so I don't think so. I think they're stronger. I genuinely think on paper they're stronger than Marseille and have more talent. And I'm more surprised that they didn't at least try to go for it. Sevilla yeah. have got a fantastic European pedigree, but they're not on great recent form. They're struggling to score, which they even showed yesterday. And, you know, for example, just resting Kamavinga. I get that he needs to be managed. But, you know, you're immediately sending out a bad message when you're saying, you know, the, the big European talent, the big talent who's going to, you know, wow everyone on the European stage this year. We're not even going to put him in the squad for this match. You're basically telling everyone that you're chucking the match. And yeah. I'm actually I think it would have made more, more sense. It would have made more sense if Haddon Zonzi not been suspended because you could have had him as the kind of pivot in midfield. Obviously, it would have then been a different kind of midfield. But knowing he was unavailable, to then say, oh, yeah, and we're resting Camarina as well. I'd forgotten that Clement Grenier played for, plays for Rennes. Um, and he, he turned well. up with Borgo and Martin in the midfield. It's like, this This is quite retro, this mm. midfield, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, yeah, it didn't, didn't work out brilliant. I mean, By the way, Rennes like was only 24 hours notice yeah. of the suspension, and the suspension was because he kicked a bottle over yeah. after the match and I think Nonsense. that probably says a lot and dare I say that if um, if Kevin De Bruyne for example were to do something like that he wouldn't get a suspension and the club certainly wouldn't be treated with such a lack of respect so they'd probably be awarded the Champions League for doing that Man City to be fair based upon what we know of UEFA but yeah Any take your appeal. point Any appeal, I, yeah, naturally, yeah. I didn't watch a lot of this but I'm guessing Gomez and Goal was good on the grounds that there were nine shots on target and only one of them went in yeah um, yes um yes and no Fini uh, Sevilla's finishing was was poor 
I thought really? uh, they, they as, as just said, I mean, they could have been four or five up at half time. Um, yeah. They weren't clinical. And uh, yeah, the, the Camavinga one was the one that, that raised my eyebrow the most because, you know, of, of all, like, what, what do you strive for every season in the league? To either win the league, which obviously is going to be very tough for a team like Ren with PSG in the same league, or to qualify for Europe and the Champions League and all the glitz and glamour. And what do your big, biggest, most talented, most marketable players crave to do? Play in the Champions League. So, like your biggest, probably your biggest game of the season, or one of them, and you leave out your your, your best player. And I, I'm with you, Jazz. I think you know you've got to manage a talent like that, and you've got to nurture him. But surely. No, no disrespect, but surely away at Nîmes or you know at home to Rams or you know, they're the games that you say to him, look, we'll just take you out for for a week here. Not in the big games where he could have affected it. You know that's that's the bit that gets me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, it's it's uphill from here for for Ren, but uh, we shall see how they get on. Um, speaking of of, uh, of uphill, that's where we sort of bring it round to the other team in the Champions League, which is PSG. They got a 2-0 win away at uh, Bashak Shahir. Um, Phil, I'll start with you on this one. Lovely kit, don't get me wrong. Performance, quite ugly, I thought. Qatari colours, no thanks. Yeah, well, the purple is nice, yeah. come on. But, no, <laughs> yeah, it, I thought they were poor um, overall. It was, it was not wholly convincing, but fine. No. It's a 2-0 yeah. win away, it's fine. The results great, performance the, not yet. Yeah, it was like Basak had a great start and were kind of running at PSG and shooting and stuff. And PSG genuinely looked quite startled by this mm. and didn't quite know what to do. How with dare it. you? Yeah. Again, notes for teams playing PSG in the league. But I think they maybe had underestimated how much the hosts would actually be trying. Massively, and yeah. there was some, really the first kind of 20 minutes or so looked quite shaky for PSG. And then Neymar um, seemed to do his hamstring. He came off for Sarabia. And after that, things seemed to settle down a bit. The PSG had better pressure on, whether that's a coincidence or not. And then, you know, about a half time, they're still nil-nil and looking a little bit kind of, confused by the situation but then I think they hit the stride shortly after that you've got um lovely uh header from Moise Keane from an Mbappe corner it was poor marking to be fair um they've been doing very well but I think it was um Martin Skirtle had a bit of a slip and Mbappe missed um missed the chance and they kind of got away with that but they didn't get away with ball marking on the corner for, for Kings first and then they started to struggle again a bit after that but just as that was happening there was the second King goal so it was not convincing they were by no means on top all game um, and it was a very kind of um, solid but also punchy performance from the hosts. And it was lovely to see Enzo Crivelli again. Yeah. I wondered where he'd gone, and then he got booked on two minutes. It was like two minutes in. centre yeah. forward, he got booked on two minutes. It did look like his job was very much being the hold-up guy at the front. Mm. I don't think he had a shot until very late on, because it was the, the other guys um, whose names, names escape me um, who were Christian. putting... Yeah. 
yeah, putting Visco all was the, the one, yeah. Visco and, and uh, the left back as well. Bolingoli. Oh, the ex-Celtic guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. as well, mm. who were putting in a lot of shots and really putting a lot of pressure on Navas, who had to be very good. It's like yeah. when you're forcing PSG's goalkeeper to be good, you are doing a very good job. So I think it was, Crivelli's job was basically to be the distraction between the centre-backs and to do the hold-up play that I think, Jez, you mentioned uh, during the match um, and let, you know, the, the people, the wingers, uh, really come in and do some damage. So it was, I enjoyed the game uh, because it was a much more even game than I'd been expecting and clearly that PSG had been expecting. And so while they won, it's good, take the points, move on. But that was not, you know, a performance that they are going to be utterly delighted with. Um, it took took about half an hour to actually bother to stand up. Um, but they did kind of get into their rhythm a bit, but it they had a slow start and that's something that I think a lot of teams will be looking at with interest. Yeah, what um, what did you make of it? Jess? I think they'll slide that pretty well there in terms of the you know they got the result and the performance wasn't great. There were some some pluses, plenty of minuses as well. Um, maybe just touch on, on Moise Kane's arrival and, and also the, the thing I sort of noticed. I don't know whether to read into this or not, but the Neymar situation seemed weird because it, it it looked a little to me like Tuchel was sort of saying no, you stay out there. And then he kind of, in the end, relented. I'm, maybe I'm reading into that too much. And I'm seeing things I, I wanted to see. Maybe I don't know. But um, yeah, what, what was your thought, thoughts on that and and the performance of, of Moise Ken, especially given the fact that Icardi has has kind of been surpassed by him in the space of two weeks. Um, I just uh, yeah, I mean, everything with PSG is just more of the same. I think um, there's there's no sort of decent kind of team play. Um, when when things happen, it's still mostly down to individuals. Um, Mbappe kind of summed up the PSG performance in that I think a lot of the match he was, as usual, just much too selfish and self-indulgent, but still sort of managed to come up with one and a half assists. Um, Neymar, I don't, I haven't seen anything in the news today about how serious or not the injury is but certainly the the comments after the match I don't know if it was kind of lost in translation or very very much said on purpose but Tuchel kind of said um, something like yeah he felt something but hopefully it's not an injury if you you ask to come off in the middle of the match then the very least that it is is an injury it might not be a serious one or whatever it's still an injury Mm. so you know I don't know if he's kind of suggesting on purpose yeah Mm. um you know this whole thing about playing Danilo in defense and and Marquinhos in midfield is clearly some kind of signal to Leonardo but that's not going to end well either way um the whole thing's a mess and and I think most people will blame Tuchel but as I've said before I think problems go much higher up and I think he's just given up. I think he knows he's a dead man walking. He's probably just having a bit of fun with it. And, um, you know, it's great that they, they got the win. He doesn't like he's having fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> no face, true. Face, but face I'm not sure I've ever seen him smile, though. No, that's um, true. I think, you know, the, 
I've said before, I don't think they look anything close to Champions League winners. And even though they almost did it last year, I don't think they did then. So I suppose it, it shows that you can still you know, get to the other end of the competition without necessarily um, having the quality for it. Um, but they should definitely be getting out of this group. And, and certainly the, the results so far have been surprising. I, I wouldn't have expected United to get six points and or a 5 nil win no. from their first two matches. So, um, you know, it, at the moment, it looks like Leipzig or PSG are going to miss out. And mm. um, if PSG don't get their act together, I think, I still think there's a chance it could be them. Yeah. Yeah, it has, it has the, the Tuchel thing has the feel of Emery to me, has the, that the latter day of Emery where it's like, you know, he knows he's going, he knows he's not being backed and it's a matter of time and, you know, you just feel like it's kind of a race in Europe. There's a, quite a few European clubs that are in similar situations, Juventus, the rookie manager, Barcelona and Real Madrid not performing. Well, I was thinking yesterday, I mean, you maybe Liverpool just mm. to appease, let's say Liverpool to appease their fans, but it's really... You know, across Europe, it's actually, there's not much going on, is there? I mean, Bayern are just so dominant because all of the other big clubs are in transition or in a mess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And when you've got managers uh, like Allegri in particular out there, who PSG have made no secret of the fact they, they sort of like, um, I wonder if he's taking French lessons at the moment. Uh, the Pochettino one I'm... I, I get in terms of the links to PSG in particular as an ex-player, but I really don't get this uh, this sort of infatuation with him. Obviously, it, a lot of it comes from the Premier League, who'd have thought, um, but he hasn't won anything. just want to remind people of that. So I don't really understand. I that think that's there. your Arsenal fandom talking. I think that's a really silly thing to say. Do you think? <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's a quality coach and no one... Barely anyone can win anything in England anymore. And Spurs, I think he... He, I he think bottled he, it, didn't he? He had the chances to win bustle? things. Well, look at the Champions League. He had he had everything there. He, there was the one season they had well, everything Well, he got there. to the final that, that by rights they should never have got to and lost to the better team. Hmm. But I still... I, I just... I, I feel like... I just, I just feel like there's this sort of... There's this little bit of a... I just feel like there's this little bit of a, a sort of a big shiny crown around around his head when he hasn't done a lot. And, and don't get me wrong, there's other managers out there. I mean, you know, my manager is is the same. He's lauded for things and hasn't done anything yet. So I, I don't I don't think it's yeah. There's a slight element of the Spurs thing about it. I'm not going to deny that. But he, I just don't I just don't sort of see. I don't see. I, I guess the way I put it is I don't see what gives him the, the sort of not the right because it's not him asking for it. But what makes him more appealing to such massive clubs where he's been linked with Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, um, PSG and, um, and is that all of them? I think that's all of them. So I think Some of the biggest clubs in Barcelona Europe. Barcelona and PSG played for both of them. Yeah, OK. Um, you can I probably... think a lot of players always speak with respect about him. He brings young players through, he improves young players and he plays good football. Mm. I mean, I agree, it's a bit like on a different level, it's a bit like Moyes going to Man United. He never won anything with Everton, but he was never going to. Mm. But he probably, United fans might disagree now, but he probably deserved his chance at a higher level. Mm. Um, and I think it's the same with Pochettino. It is a risk, but I don't think PSG is a fit because they're not interested 
in bringing youth through unless they change their policy, which they'd be well within their rights to because they've got a fantastic youth system and they're bringing through loads of really, I mean, they're producing loads of quality young players, just none of them are giving them a ch- being given a chance they're to be They're all moving to Germany. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, I, I guess we'll see. Um, you know, the proof will be in the pudding if, if and when he gets a, a big job. Um, I, I fully admit some of my biases there, but I, I, I'm still not convinced. Um, but I guess we will see. And, and like I think where we all agree is I just don't think Tuchel's going to be there. Uh, much beyond it just looks like a I, broken I, really think, I know I said it for a couple of years and last year sort of hid what I think the problems are I think that everything needs to be ripped out of that club they've got the resources to be able to do it mm. and just say for a year or two we're not going to pull up any trees but it's for the sort of long term good I mean Mbappe has to get out of there because I think it's affecting him and it's affecting the team Neymar I just he thinks he's bigger than the club and unfortunately the sporting director, or not the sporting director, but the president also thinks he's bigger than the club. Um, the coach is being undermined at every level. Only creative midfielder is always either suspended or injured. There's so, so much wrong with that team. Yeah. <laughs> that club, rather. No, I'm with you and I know we do need to move on to wrap up, but um, oh, the, the name I think frustrates the hell out of me because I just the more I'm watching him, particularly domestically, the more I'm seeing a player who basically does what he wants when he fancies. And and I think I think he is suffering at the moment in terms of that he knows he can turn up against Dijon at home and, and Neem away and basically he, he you know he his talent is undeniably exceptional and world class and he can win a game literally on his own at that level. But because of his laid back attitude in, in Liga, I do feel like he really struggles with not only the pressure but the sustaining a performance in Europe he just, at the top level. He just he just fails, and whereas it, in the Brazil side that's built around him, he, he thrives um, with better players. So speak of that what you will. Anyway, um, that was the week that was in the Champions League. We've got two games tonight at time of recording, um, which, as we mentioned earlier on, there's an early kickoff between Lille and Celtic. That's a five to six UK time. Uh, and the pressure on Nice and Vieira's men, as we mentioned as well, they uh, have the home tie against Hapoel Beersheba. That's 8pm UK time. So obviously we'll cover those results next week. In terms of Liga this weekend, the game between Marseille and uh, Lons has been postponed. Uh, more COVID outbreaks there, so that one has gone. Uh, that was scheduled for tomorrow, Friday at 8pm, but that one has been pulled. Uh, we so may as... have a change in Strasbourg. It looks like several people there are positive, including Thierry Laurie. Uh, okay, um, so they were due to the, play There may still be more chalked off. Yeah, yeah, they were due to play rounds away on uh, t- two o'clock on Sunday. So yeah, keep your eye. That may not happen. Uh, these other fixtures, obviously, time of recording scheduled to happen. Ren against Brest on Saturday. Uh, Nantes against PSG is the evening game on the same day. On Sunday, the early kickoff is Saint Etienne against Montpellier. Two, se- two teams both in need of a win. Really, Angers host Nice. That's a two o'clock game. Dijon face Lorient. Obviously, the biggest fixture of the weekend. Nîmes face Metz. Um, another win for Jess. Who knows? Who knows? Um, as we mentioned, the Ram Strasbourg game looks like that's going to go. Monaco Bordeaux might be worth a watch. That's a four o'clock Sunday game. 
and uh, finally the game of the weekend without a doubt Lille host Lyon is the 8pm Sunday game which uh, certainly will be one to tune in for. Uh, just before we go and um, Phil international wise as, as um, it stands everything well, is... You, it may, you may have heard that France is going back into lockdown as of an unspecified point tomorrow. So mm. When I went out earlier to do some panicked shopping, all the barbershops were. Um, but the, the Coupe de France is being um, called off and the amateur side of the game is being shut down during this period. But um, the uh, French teams, uh, women, men and uh, the Espoirs are continuing. Uh, the women are currently in Europe European qualifying uh, for the European Championships next year. They had two games. Um, uh, against North Macedonia, they won 11-0, which, frankly, not surprising. Uh, can I just run through the scores, because this is hilarious. Govan Lasoma, Lasoma de Almeida, Diani, Asayi, uh, Gayoro, Gayoro, Lasoma, Lasoma, and Delphine Cascarina, who's actually on the pitch with her twin, I think, one of the first times ever. Um, that was all lovely and everything, but the key game was on Tuesday, which was um, away in Austria. Nil-nil. Now, that's not the kind of uh, scoreline you expect, but remember that Austria were in France's group in Euro 2017. They were the lowest-ranked team in the group, but they won it by being really, really organised, and they've clearly continued uh, to do that. So it was... After um, six games, the two of them are uh, level on 16 points. France are ahead on goal difference, thanks in no small part to how bad North Macedonia are at football. Um, but yes, it's actually going to be an interesting group because I think then the reverse fixture against Austria is also going to be a very interesting one. So they're still on course, obviously, to get to the Euros, but they're not having everything their own way, either on or off the pitch. As uh, we've mentioned before, there's been a lot of um, internal um, squabbling and arguments and uh, after about Amandine Henry being dropped. Uh, Sarah Bahadi has basically taken a sabbatical from the national team, which is very peculiar. And it does seem like uh, the French women's team are starting to have some of the uh, internal issues um, that we are so familiar with, familiar with, with the men's yeah. team of the past. So who knows if they're all going to just lock themselves in a bus and shout at each other. We don't know. Yeah, fun, fun times. And uh, Jez, final word from you. I just want to ask you very briefly, international football, good idea, bad idea moving forwards. As we say, France going back into lockdown, there's growing pressure in the UK to to do a similar thing now. Is that the kind of the root cause as to why we're back here again, or, or is it more of a society thing for you? Well, I think it's a wider societal thing, but I think that... On a football level, sorry. There was, word just football-wise, it seemed that there was a spike in cases during the last international break. Maybe, I don't know if that's just um, how it felt and there's nothing to, to sort of back that up. I'm not sure, but I mean, it's the same as all football and all sport. Really, it is just sport. It should be cancelled because um, it's not the most important thing in the world and health is a lot more important. But mm. the fact is, it's not just sport. It's also people's livelihoods and it's also business and there's a lot of money involved. So... 
I assume it will all carry on for as, as long as anyone can find any kind of justification for it. But mm. um, it, uh, yeah, it, it seems like if it's in any way um, an extra sort of catalyst for, for, for the virus being spread, then it should be stopped. Yeah, I think, you know, we were coming up with, uh, what was it, the fifth round, the Coupe de France, and obviously that's a lot more difficult to maintain because the distancing, the travel, the people involved. Um, we're not talking about teams who spend all, all week together training. These are people who are then obviously going out and, and have proper jobs, as it were. Mm -hmm. So I think with that going, um, and remember that, um, you know, professionalism starts basically midway down Nationale. So a lot of quite high up the pyramid has been cancelled with the ban on amateur amateur competitions continuing so uh, as Jess says legal the money there we go yeah and he talks at the end of the day and uh, sadly not for us uh, we, we're not going to get a large payout from from the league so that's a shame but you know if anyone's listening and wants to pay us lots of money please feel free but uh, yeah as long as there is um, football whether that be uh, open doors or closed doors we will be here to cover it so we will draw a line under this week's show there uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, you can tweet us your questions. Uh, I can't see them, but I'm sure the crew can find them for me. I'm not bitter about this at all, I promise. No, acting is your PA, right, Bruce? Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, as always, you can tweet us your thoughts or comments if there's anything you want to bring up. Uh, we'll be back next week to review the weekend's action and look back at tonight's Europa League games as well. And I think I'm right in saying there's more Champions League next week, so we'll have all that to uh, to go through as well. So plenty to keep us entertained. Until then, uh, both of you stay safe. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much for listening. As I say, all of you out there, stay safe, enjoy your French football, and we'll speak to you very soon.